Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The home of endurance racing. RadioLeMans.com. Well, hello everybody and welcome along to another programme from the FIA World Endurance Championship here at uh, the Prologue at Record. And standing next to me in an Audi meet the team, I have none of Well, introduce yourself. Well, my name is Philippe Albuquerque, I'm driving car number nine and um, I'm here for the Prologue to get along with the guys and uh, to see how the car evolu- goes in evolution off because this, this year we have a little bit more less tests. But uh, yeah, keep, keep it posted. Not exactly got a plan. Um, this, for you this week, have you, you haven't been in the car? No, the, I mean this week. Yes, I've been. I arrived here since Sunday, last Saturday, because I was here for the LMS testing and I stood here for the prologue. And yeah, the last time I drove was Tuesday. Unfortunately, I would like to drive the the Audi, but uh, but it's what it is. Have you driven the new car yet? Yes, in Sebring. And that test I heard went very well indeed. I don't expect you to give me any secrets, but from what I heard from people that was there, certainly talking to people just from the atmosphere in the team, the team came away relatively pleased with the pace and the reliability of the new car. Yes, and um, yeah, we were happy. I was happy with the car, but also my teammates. Um, generally, we are happy with the behavior of the car and the new evolutions that we have. Um, for sure, four megajoules is also helping, helping for us. Can you can you feel the difference? Yeah, you feel longer, uh, mm. longer the power that you have there, and uh, in pure lap time, we, I mean, it's significant what we have seen here in in Paul Ricard. But inside there, we just you know we we go on the limit of the tires, but mostly on the on the lap time, it's just that. Extra power that you get out of the corners. Uh, we, in generally, also hearing my teammates, they, they seem happy with the car performance as its health. Uh, but another matter is when we compare to the other guys. But I think it's still early to, to talk about that because we never know where each manufacturer is, right? And even at an event like this, no one knows what fuel people are using, exactly. what tyres, what engine settings, etc., etc. So we probably won't find out until maybe as late as qualifying. Uh, at Silverstone maybe not even then a lot of games <laughs> being played here that's true that's true but it's always like this uh, no one wants to show the really the, the, the good hand of it um, uh, yeah that's true I, I don't want to, to compromise anyone <laughs> so uh, shh sorry exactly. no secrets no secrets <laughs> tell me about the rest of your season Philippe uh, it's once again you're doing this uh, sort of split season with the, the guys at, uh, at Jordan yeah, so uh, it's going to be again, uh, second year, the, exactly the same as last year. So with um, Jota and, and with Audi, uh, it's always busy, very busy until June. But uh, with more, more experience, I, I know how to handle it more. Just just being more relaxed, I would say, instead of and switching the the you know the ship on my head from uh, hybrid, non-hybrid car and uh, add out of and uh, with wind and another. Like a close cockpit car, so it's it's a bit different, but uh, it's becoming 
uh, natural for me now and um, I'm really well uh, on both of them so it, I was really happy also when I drove in Sebring because I was not driving for a few months in Audi and I just got in there in the night and bam straight away in the pace so I was happy just personally not nothing compared to mm. whatsoever like checking times or whatsoever but I was just personally happy with that and in here with Jota everything went well and uh, we are optimistic for, for Silverstone as, as well so everything looks good have you raced at Sebring before in an Audi? Uh, yeah, I raced with Audi R8, not the R18, no, which makes a difference. I was going to say, I, I was trolling back and thinking, no, you mustn't no. have, not in the P1 days. So everybody tells us how bumpy those airfield parts of the, the old runway part of Sebring is. How how was it for you in the R18 when you were testing? Was it really bad? Um no, no, actually no. I, I, I can't complain about it because uh, we were doing some setups and uh, we by by my time I was my my car well, we were the last ones to 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 drive. So uh, the Canon was seven. They did they did the hard work, let's say, and they set it up. So when we came in, uh, it was fine. Uh, actually, it sounds crazy, but. When I raced there in Sebring, I went straight to the race and just for just mm. a few laps, and it was crazy racing with 58 cars last uh, the year before, mm. last year, and uh, was just a mess. It just cars passing right, left. <laughs> I was all the time looking to the mirrors, and I went on the R18. Okay, you just go much faster. Corner one, you need to be you need to be half flat. Forward. No, no way, no way, <laughs> no way. You need to say that we are arriving really fast into that corner. We're really fast there, and we never did a qualifying simulation, okay. but uh, for sure it will be even faster. Um, mm. But no, 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 not not flat. And uh, and again, if we crash the car, it's no point. And uh, but um, but yes, um, I, I struggle much more when I drove the R8. And mm. then the R18, just because, I don't know, maybe just because we have more downforce, we have less corners, because with the GT, to do that long corner on the back straight going mm. to the chicanes, mm -hmm. that corner, it's it's tricky in the GT, and without the R18, it's just, you to like, maybe 270, 260 there, Ooh. quite easy, I'm not, maybe I'm being optimistic, yeah, 250, easy, mm. yeah, easy. Easy. That's that big invisible hand of downforce exactly. pushing you down. We've talked about this before, but I'll ask the question again. Do you still believe it's more important for you to race and do maybe even P2 racing than it is not to race and just stand at the back of a garage with your, your headset on listening to the guys here? Is it important for you to keep race sharp, if you will? Definitely to keep the rhythm on. It's it's very important, and I feel that also with the with the P2, it's it's in sort of way it's a bit harder to overtake under the traffic because you need to dive in and you need to to make it happen in that corner before because the difference of speeds compared to the GT is not so much. Mm. I mean, then it's another thing with the P1 that. If you can be relaxed, okay, you say you back off and I'm going to pass him in the next straight. But if you are tight and you need to make that braking, you come much faster. That's what is the tricky point of LMP1. And this is the tricky point when you need that extra tenth and you are catching someone that you need to dive in and you don't know if he's going to close the door because you commit and if they close the door, you're going you're gonna to collect them because mm. the difference of speeds is too big. Uh, but yes, um, definitely I feel that it's important to be racing and that's why me and Audi, we were pushing for that program and uh, also my teammates, they're pushing for that. Uh, as well, it's also good to be here to hear what the other guys are talking about, mm. uh, about the tires and uh, what the car is doing for here and that because there's so many more things now. Yes. That's a very good point, actually, because to stay current, to stay up to date with the R18, 
must be much more difficult than it would have been in a prototype maybe five years ago because there are so many different facets to it, so many different levels with the hybrid, with the tyres, with the downforce, etc. So do you learn as much from talking to the guys who are doing more testing uh, and more time in the car as you do from sitting in the car yourself? When I'm sitting in the car, of course, I look to what I need. Um, but also when I'm outside of the car and I hear the other guys, I see where their main focus are. So basically, let's say in a normal racing car like, like before, we concentrate like we need to change the anti-roll bar and the springs here <laughs> and that, uh, which is an, a standard work. Mm-hmm. But with uh, this new technology, you need to focus on the to maximize your fuel consumption. Mm-hmm. You need to concentrate where you want the power to kick in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where you want the recuperation on. So all these things, to put all these systems together and work in a, in a, in a lab, it's much it's demanding and it's much more time there than changing i don't know half percent of the roll bar that it's just not doing so much you know what i mean and also you're developing a different conversation with your engineers you are still tuning the car the process of tuning the car is just very different and using different tools and a different language true and um that but there's so it's so complicated sometimes that but is it enjoyable Felipe? is it a, you know do you enjoy it do you enjoy that challenge of learning everybody's learning all the time now aren't we that's true even the engineers that uh, that they are in uh, your story now they, they just they need to work together because nowadays i talked with my main engineer and i talked to him about this and i can report what i'm feeling mm-hmm. but he does not know some some parts because it's not his his subject okay because hybrid stuff it's another engineer so we need to get them together so that's why when you look to some Audi guys an Audi driver is talking not to only one engineer but he's maybe talking to four talking about um, you know this is the fuel consumption it's happening here you can talk with your main engineer but you need to to make it they understand look it's maybe it's not really happen what you're expecting to to happen because he's doing this and this and they say "Hmm, let me think which lap was it like lap number three they go that's true you're right there's something bug here and they fix it so looking back at the data now more important than ever before and looking at the right part of the data to give the feedback to the right part of the engineering stuff you save a lot of time if you tell them exactly it was the cone number three on the seventh lap yes. it happened this bug uh, downshift something happened there yes. maybe it was just a bump on the track that didn't like uh, but you save time instead of telling the guy look it happened this this and this and find it they will spend much more time to fix mm. the problem because sometimes they they hear our comments but they also they want to check what happened on the data because they need, they read numbers and they want to, to understand how it was to fix the problem so hang on let me get this right <laughs> so driving an lmp1 audi now you are partially a software engineer partially still a racing driving engineer right partially a driver and you have to have a great memory as well to remember all these specific events to be able to relay them back. And you're driving the car at the same time. You have more mental capacity than I think us normal human beings do. 
Yeah, I, I believe that it's not anymore just putting a hot lap because mm. it just doesn't matter. It's just the guy that's more clever. You need to, to be clever in, like in a lap. You need to, to have the strategy when to attack and when you're going to use more fuel and then save the rest because then if you exceed the fuel consumption, they, you're going to lose so much time. I mean, look at Andre Lauter, what happened to him in Fuji. He was just <laughs> so thrilled about the start of the race, which is sort of no normal. But uh, you, you, you need to keep your head cool and uh, to think about these little details but uh, but yes it's it's a little bit like you said but uh, the engineers they are great uh, the Audi they, they they help us because in the end we drivers we just have sensors and we just need to explain the most as possible of what we feel because mm. some other things maybe we don't feel but they can read it but you know what I think a lot of our listeners will be delighted to hear that the driver is such a big part we worry I think as spectators, that the the driver is being engineered out of the car, that so much of what the car does is automatic or software or clever programming or clever engineering, and I accept that yeah. there's a lot of that. But I think our listeners will be delighted to hear that there's still so much feedback from the driver just to find that extra tiny little bit that is the bit that's always the hardest to find and the bit that's always most important. That's so true. That's the tricky part. That's the tricky <laughs> part. because Exactly, because nowadays you, you, you have the traction, you, the, the car is unbelievable, good grip, so any, I mean, a normal driver can go out and, and do a good job, I mean, maybe a good lap. But to do the evolution and to be consistent and read all these numbers, and just that's the difference of, uh, you know, when we see a, a Tom Christensen and all these, all these old folks, I would say, that all the, that experience, that they absorb all that energy, that, they, that, that knowledge, it's, that's what um, a manufacturer like Audi, or I would say Audi, but it can be Porsche and, and in Toyota, I believe that they have the same, they have the same problems for sure. The same challenges and the hashtag is welcome challenges for Audi. Philippe, a fantastic insight into you and the team. Thank you very much for talking to us. Good luck with Jota and with Audi this year. Thank you very much. It was always a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> so we'll uh, move on to Lucas Degrassi. Lucas, welcome to RadioLamont.com. Looking forward to the challenge of this season. And my goodness, it is a challenge, isn't it, 2015? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it will be a huge challenge this year. Uh, all the competitors they step up, uh, including ourselves. So uh, until the very first race, we have very little idea of how it will play. Um, the lap times, the stint length, um, the information we can collect from this test shows that, uh, like you said, it's going to be extremely difficult here. But then who will come up in front is uh, still very uh, uncertain. Are there many differences between last year's car and this year's car? You have more power, which I'm sure you feel. Extra two megajoules, power for a little bit longer. But other than that, the car is comfortable and you feel at home with it? Yeah, the car is a, is a big step up from last year. It's not the different monocoque, so we, we use the same monocoque as last year, but that's pretty much the only part of the car which is the same. We have stepped up the Mega Jewel. We did, we did a lot of tire development with Michelin. We did a lot of aero development. There is a, a new philosophy around the, the, the aero also. So there is a huge steps. We have to learn a lot. There is a lot to be still. Uh, to, there is a lot to understand of the car. Uh, the rules change a little bit. Qualifying this year is a bit different. Uh, the tire the allocation per race also is limited. The testing is limited. So. There are a few things that we have to get used to, um, but yeah, I think we are in, 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 the, in the correct way to, to make everything work. 
slightly frustrating last year that the car looked to be a good platform at times. Uh, you could race at times, but times you couldn't. So slight frustration last year, and do you feel this car is a, is a better weapon for you to be able to attack for 2015? Definitely. Uh, I mean, if you compare the absolute lap times uh, here in Ricard, we've gone four seconds quicker by this and is that a genuine improvement no clever tricks or anything like that because we don't know how anybody's running here yeah i mean roughly yes we we expect to be quicker we expect to be in a uh, that the step was big that Mm. everything that we did should work we should have a big step in performance and if you compare the others not the lmp1 but the others lap times they they are similar to last year so definitely we we've made a step up but like i said our step up is only good enough if it's better than the others so we don't know yet uh, one lap we know that uh, last year in many races were not competitive in one lap but then we were more competitive in uh, in the stint i think this should be the case again this year okay. because uh, the way the others work uh, with the, i think with the battery and the, and the, and the super capacitor they have a more uh, flexibility to do the qualifying lap than we we have but that in a, in a long race, that qualifying doesn't. The only thing that matters about qualifying is the point for pole. Uh, does the new qualifying format with just one lap per driver does that help you or does it hurt you? I don't think it changes much. Okay. Uh, I think now you can, the only thing that changes a little bit is that it's one lap per driver, mm. but you can use uh, a new set. Uh, both drivers can use a new set, but then you have less sets for the race. Yes. So uh, depend how many sets you're gonna use in the race, depend how much you want to risk, depend how much you can gain with that extra new set. Uh, maybe it's worth using and getting that extra point. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's better to save and uh, score a better result of the race. Yeah. So the tactics, the tactical thinking, starts even earlier in the weekend than than normally. Presumably, you don't always have to make that decision on your own. You will be working with the team for that. Oh no, it's a team's decision. In the end. Uh, We'll evaluate our, our performance. As, like you said, I think in some races we'll be very competitive, but some races we won't. There are a few tracks that um, one, uh, uh, let's say, hybrid philosophy works better than others. Yes. yes. Um, and and that's great for us as spectators. I accept that all you competitors always want to win. Are you more pleased when you win a race when you've had to fight for it, or if you can just drive off into the distance and be two laps up at the end? Uh, well, of course, it's always good when you win races, but the satisfaction comes from my own performance. So sometimes, even if you finish third, but you did a fantastic yeah. race, uh, I maybe I'm more satisfied than even winning with a, with a race that I was not having a performance. Maybe I was lucky to win the race. So I think the result, it's different from the performance. And this year, the results, I think, will be in doubt at pretty much all of the races. The big race in the middle of the year is Le Mans. Clearly the car has got to run the full season and be competitive, but do you look at Le Mans, now you've done a little bit of testing at places like Sebring, etc., and think, that's, that's a good Le Mans car? Or do you look at it and think, that's a good WEC championship car? I think uh, Le Mans is, um, is a much more complex race uh, than, the, than the six hours uh, race. The, the track is special, the sensitivity of the drag... Uh, it's much higher because you are at much higher speeds. Um, the car can be specially designed for that track and not and be good at that track and, be, and maybe it's not good in other tracks. 
it depends really how you how is the concept out of it but um, I think again the from the performance we had last year was one of the our best weekends even in qualifying we were we were still far away last year but in the race the, the car was more competitive uh, you can argue yes one car broke down the other broke down but I think I think as a, as a overall Le Mans is uh, for us the the target but also not only Le Mans we we look to improve the car we look to improve the car in the WC races um, so we expect maybe well there is um, there is not Interlagos there is uh, Nürburgring now in the, in the calendar we don't know don't what, what expect from that but yeah overall I think the um, the main point is that like I said it will depend track by track if the tire that you chose work well with the tarmac that the hybrid configurations works well that the temperature helps you there's a lot of factors so it's very difficult to predict now to say look these races will be better for us let's say on the hybrid side and on the power side on the drivetrain side it should be similar to last year because okay we, we did a big step but still the philosophy is different mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah in terms of competitiveness then the races we, we, which we were competitive we should be even more competitive so you did a big test at Sebring car was faster here Sebring is a very different track uh, ridiculously bumpy what do you learn as a team and as a driver from testing at a track that is so completely different from anything else that you race on for the rest of the year? I think Sebring is, a, well, we, Sebring is very good for mainly two points, in my opinion. I don't like Sebring to drive there. Um, personally, it's not my favourite track. It's, for me, nothing really special, but it's good for two reasons. First, you work in a temperature that you should race the whole year. If you come, if you come to Europe in winter, you develop something that works in a completely different temperature. So that's one, and the second, which maybe is the most important, is a track which is very aggressive on the car. Uh, so the car is really so the, because of the bumps and because of the nature of the track is very aggressive on the drive shaft, suspension, the aero kit, everything. So if the car works there, so the car is reliable there. It should be reliable everywhere else. So that's the only reason, like you said, it's very different from anything else. You cannot do tire development, you cannot do setup development, you cannot do anything. Hard on the car and hard on the driver as well? Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, uh, the, the, the bumps in Sebring are very, very hard, uh, especially when you're going with, uh, with LMP1 performance. Um, it's, uh, it's, the track is very similar to when I raced there in 2013. Uh, which was our last race. The only thing, that that race is very special, so even if the track is not my favorite, that race was a very nice one. So it's a shame we cannot race there anymore, and if if that changes and we'll be able to race there again, it will be definitely a a pleasure for me. You are one of the few people who's raced a P1 at Sebring in the past, so you have a direct comparison in your mind between that level of car, which is now quite old, the new level of car. Did you feel a big difference when you went back there to do the test? Um, not really. Uh, of course, we were a bit faster, uh, but the track in Sebring. The thing is also when you test, when you have no reference, it's difficult to, to understand if you're really quick or not. Mm. Like I said, we're not working to optimize the car for Sebring. No. We could have gone maybe much faster than we were. 
um, when you're racing that is different you're optimizing for the car for the track so it, it, it's, a, it's a different concept on, on testing you're just making sure that the, you have different goals yeah you make sure that you have to, to follow the agenda make sure that you, you use the track and the time the best way possible that also, it's, it's the first test of the season with the new car, and you're making sure that the car is all right. So, I think that's that's the main aim for for Sebring. I don't think there is a, for sure, there is a massive difference in performance because we see here yes. a four or five second difference. Has that surprised you? I mean, we expect development, but that that's a big jump. To be sincere with you, it doesn't surprise me. It's something that uh, because we're working with technology that is moving so quickly. Exactly. So the the step that uh, or, or let's say I'm very happy that Audi came up with a such even considering the same monocoque, the same car, we come up with a, maybe a bigger step in development for this year than we did from the previous year. Really? So the the guys in back in uh, Neuburg did a fantastic job in every aspect, including the hybrid drivetrain, the aero, uh, all uh, pretty much every parts of the car, kinematics and so on. So uh, very very happy that. This, we managed to improve so much a car which was already very good at Le Mans and mm. um, Silverstone, Austin and many other tracks so even Interlagos in the last race so they managed to improve a little, something that was already good they managed to do a big step so that definitely a surprise but then coming here and, and knowing how much we mm-hmm. the step we had and doing knowing also that our competitors did a huge step yes. that that's let's say roughly what is expected ready for the challenge of 2015 yeah ready um, big 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 year for me um, with the, with the WEC it's my second season uh, it's my will be my third time in Le Mans I finished twice in the podium already in two races so um, definitely is a um, is a championship which is growing um, new partners, new tracks, uh, new manufacturers. We hope they come uh, for Le Mans. Um, uh, to, to, so we welcome the challenges, <laughs> like uh, like our like our uh, phrase. So, so yeah, it's um, it will be a, a very very difficult year. We have to step up as drivers as well. We have to maybe drive even more on the limit, uh, push harder, um, get uh, the best performance we can out of it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely very motivating to be to be part of this uh, historic moment on sports car. And I can tell you, we can't wait either. Thank you very much for talking to us. Good luck at Silverstone. Be safe and enjoy the whole season. Thank you very much. All right, great stuff. Uh, we're at the WEC prologue at uh, Paul Ricard, and we're having a wander round. Um, Lucas is off to get a coffee. Ralph Yutner is standing in front of me. Have you got time for a, a chat, Ralph? Yeah. If what I would think? know who you are. Oh, yes, you know, as soon as I open my mouth. Uh, I'm sporting a beard, for those of you on radio. Uh, Ralph, welcome back to the uh, World Endurance Championship 2015. Um, everything is possible at this time of the year. We've had a couple of days of, of testing here. you happy with where everything is? Oh, yeah, basically uh, everything went well for us. We had a list of things to do. Uh, most of them we could tick off, as, as you say. Um, we still get some work with us to still do at home before Le Mans for sure, but also probably before Silverstone and Spa. But in general, it's been a good test. It was uh, a bit windy yesterday, mm. but uh, I have to say I was surprised by how few commands we got from our drivers. I was expecting them to, to 
come and say it's struggling because we're at gusts of 75 kilometers an hour or 80. But uh, obviously that was not too much of a problem for them. So we could go through our program and uh, are happy with how it ran and also with uh, the speed we had and the results. I mean, obviously there are some cars around that are very, very quick on a single lap. (laughs) But uh, that's not so surprising. Uh, And if you load an 8 megajoule system fully and then go out, uh, there's nothing that we can hold against it. But uh, we had some very good long runs and... uh, we are happy with the way we had developed together with Michelin. Mm-hmm. So that was all looking really good. And, uh, yeah. the, the race pace last year wasn't too bad, particularly on the long runs. Over a single lap is, is certainly where the Audi was slightly disadvantaged. Have you, is the change to four megajoules this year partially to address that, or are you looking at, a, at the bigger picture? Mm, I wouldn't say it's to address that we will still be on the back foot in, in this respect on some tracks more on others maybe less uh, yeah it should help to go to a bigger system but <coughs> it's in, in general just helping also on the long runs because uh, we have more energy more electric energy which we can distribute through the front axle uh, which now enables us to have a more constant uh, distribution between front and rear. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, let's say, enough energy in the past to really use it through, let's say, all around the track mm-hmm. to help for the car dynamics, let's, yeah. let's put it. And now we have more. And it, it, it's definitely better. Literally a balancing act. Yes, yes. It is, it's definitely helping. The decision to go to four megajoules was one that I know that you'd been considering for a wee while. Was the performances of last season, did that make it almost inevitable that you had to go to four? Or possibly did you, you tell me, did you even consider going to, to six megajoules? Um, if it would be possible, we would go to eight. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it was high on the plan always yes. to step up. So it was not because we were showing a lack of pace in the, the second half of the season, let's say. Uh, the wish to step up has always been there. Um, we didn't want to, to take too much too much risk, so the, the one system we have had in the car and still have uh, was developed. We had... This is the flywheel system, yes, of course. And we have, we've made a lot of experience, uh, not only last year, the years before, but last year uh, against a stiff opposition uh, was very good to learn and continue learning with it and it was uh, just the consequent step to step that up going to higher would be nice but it's more or less then forcing a change in the system because this will not work with the system we have Was there a consideration of putting a secondary type of system? We've heard all kinds of rumours about air hybrids, gas back type systems, all these kind of things that have been studied by yourselves and, and by some of your competitors in the past in order to optimise the amount of hybrid energy that we're harvesting and actually I say all that and in some ways I can't believe I've, that sentence has come out of my mouth in 2015 but we have to consider that so that, that's why I asked that very, that very technical question uh, 
as most people know, we had a second system, which we abandoned before the season started last year because it was just not giving enough benefit for the difficulties it, mm. it involved. Uh, and therefore, it has not been high on the list to come back with that one. There was still some more work going on, but that more or less confirmed that we made the right decision last year already. Uh, there is a little bit of gain, but it's still not worth the effort you have to put and the penalties you get on the other side. So uh, it was pretty clear very early that we stick with that system, with one hybrid system, and optimize that and go to whatever is possible with that. Um, yeah, we could concentrate on that solution pretty much and pretty early. The internal combustion engine is still diesel and still very much part of Audi's philosophy. Um, I found it difficult sometimes to square in my mind that the petrol cars sometimes could go further than the diesels last year, but that's a function of very complicated rules which I'm people... completely on your side <laughs> on that point. <laughs> There's no change... Or is there a change in terms of fuel and efficiency this year? You, you tell me, do, does the diesel uh, give you, uh, I know that you're staying with it, but does it have a, a better performance coefficient, if you will, than what we saw at this time last year? Um, there has still been put a lot of work into the diesel engine as well. Mm -hmm. That's one of the points where we worked. Basically, we worked on everything, and that includes the engine. Um, the engine department at Audi Sport has done a good job in the past, and I'm, I'm pretty uh, yeah, positive that uh, Mr. Baretsky and co. have done a good, a good job again. Uh, there is, I, I know that uh, especially Porsche has improved their engine as well. It's the second year. Uh, but I'm right but in saying that there's no change in regulations from the FIA and the ACO. They're locked in... I think until after Le Mans, isn't it? Yes, uh, they're locked until after Le Mans. So there is nothing to be expected there. There has been a slight modification in the table, in that EOT table, mm. but that's only reflecting on uh, changes in the density of the diesel and the petrol that we get this year from Shell. Okay. So, you know, when the density is getting a little bit lower, then you need a little bit more volume. Okay. Uh, and that's a, it's a not countable amount of fuel cell size and yes. stuff like this. But the table is the same from after Le Mans last year and it yes. will stay the same till after Le Mans this year. Um, after that, you still have to see. I still believe that the change that was introduced short term before that prologue last year uh, was a step, of course, to our disadvantage, but also in the wrong direction. And that's what we saw in the last season, last half season last yeah. year. We are now talking about things that maybe five or ten years ago would have been rocket science uh, would have been pie in the sky in terms about when we were talking about racing cars it's a new challenge um, your hashtag is welcome challenges at Audi, do you though yearn for a slightly simpler day when it was all about spring rates and roll bars and not software and harvesting <laughs> it's always like that uh, you could have asked me the same question five years ago or ten years ago mm -hmm. and it would have been the same I remember when was that in 2006 or 7 
sitting in America with with H in a bar. We were both working uh, with the champion team that time. And we were sitting there having a beer and saying, listen, we do two cars. We go testing. One car has all the telemetry and all the data equipment we have available today, which was far less than we have now. But again, a lot more than we were used to have then five years ago. And the other car has only, you know, tie wraps around the dampers and uh, paint on the skid or on yeah. the floor yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to see whether you are too low or not. And these old tools, and then we go, everybody has a day of adjusting, and then we make a qualifying run and a wrong run and see who is quicker. So what I want to say is you, you always think that you are maybe a little bit over the top and how easy and simple it was like five years ago or ten years ago. But that story I told was 2006 or 2007. Yes. And now we are here. And I tell you, in 2021, 22, we will think about this time. That, uh, you know, uh, these were the old simple times. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's normal. You, we can't stop progress. And the progress that we have near, here now, Ralph, with the advent of these, I think, very good regulations are allowing people like yourselves and the engineers and the designers a lot more freedom and also developing concepts, quite high concepts that we're talking about, but that are relevant to streetcar technology. All right, not tomorrow, not next week, but sometime that we can see in the middle distance. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and some of them are really not so far away. I mean, we have seen it with the... Uh, direct injection that didn't take a lot of years to come into now it's a basic Volkswagen group mm-hmm. engine thing uh, and that only took three four years uh, the diesel racing we started in 2006 had a very very quick influence in this in the road car development with the high pressures we were dealing with mm. where the road car people dreamt about but there's so much stuff with the ceiling and the injectors and stuff which was as normal in motorsports developed under high pressure with you know not a lot of time available and it found its way into the streetcar development for in 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 the time as short as two three maybe four years which is for streetcar development nothing it's it's a minute let's say yes uh so yeah and then other things uh difficult to say i find Uh, it remarkable now that we are beating lap times this season we'll beat lap times the the Peugeot that had 900 horsepower all the time big tyres lots of downforce we saw it at Sao Paulo last year and okay different surface there yeah, that, we've, that was the surface yeah, yeah. but here we've seen lap times at or better than what we thought would never be beaten and then maybe a couple of seconds quicker and we're doing this with I don't know what 40% less fuel narrower tyres much more aerodynamically efficient cars yeah yeah, you can see how many clever people are behind that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we wish you a good season. Always lovely to talk to you, Ralph. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, Ralph Huttner there talking to us here at uh, Paul Ricard. I'm just having a look to see who's standing free at the moment. Yeah, we'll have a word with uh, René Rast, who is uh, just sitting over here at the moment. Dr Ulrich, I shall come and find you in a moment after I've spoken to Mr Rast here. Hello, Hello René, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to RadioLamont.com and uh, welcome to Paul Ricard for the 
uh, for the prologue. How's your, how's your 2015 going so far? So far so good. I mean, I had uh, many days already with, uh, with the team and uh, tested the car a lot. And today was my first official WEC test or test days, let's say, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was good to see. I didn't drive, but uh, it was good to see what's going on in the background, to listen to the mechanics, to, to listen to engineers and drivers. Our, our race driver, like Andre, is uh, yeah, going on into like a test just, just to, to get into grips for the season, to, to see the, uh, yeah, who's doing what and mm. just, just getting an impression of what's going on. Many of our listeners will know you primarily as a GT driver. It's a good time to be a GT driver at the moment. It's very competitive. And it seems it's a good time to be a GT driver because the skills of a GT driver is be, are being recognised by Audi, by some of your competitors as well, as worthy for the, the prototype programme. How, how, do how do your skills transfer? I mean, we saw in the last year's G, GT programme was growing and growing, and it's very competitive. And by doing GTs, I mean, you can learn so much and you can just improve your own driving because you cannot change so much on the GTs. You can uh, change the setup a little bit, but the most thing you gain time is improving your driving. Mm. And um, for sure, I can bring this with to, to the team. But um, I think my skills are difficult. I mean, I still have to learn a lot. The cars Did you have any downforce experience beforehand in your earlier career? Did you do F3 or something like that? I did two years of Formula BMW, 2002 and three but this is actually my only experience I had I did last year the race in Le Mans LMP2 and some tests before this was good to learn a car with downforce but it was just little experience let's say this way I don't have that much experience as the other guys but actually it's not that difficult to get into a car like LMP1 and get into into speed um, I think you say that very matter of fact as if it's the simplest thing in the world like picking a higher car up <laughs> from the airport it's not really not no. that difficult it's not that difficult if you are a racing driver of course for a normal guy it's of course difficult I couldn't even get into it <laughs> it's true <laughs> stop it <laughs> no but uh, you know with LMP2 I got already good experience mm. to drive car fires with arrow and uh, the step is big but it's not as big as I thought most complicated thing is to learn the technique in the cars, you know, with the hybrids and stuff. So Which I suppose is very different from a P2. Of course, we have no hybrids in LMP2. And the driver in LMP1 is so much, uh, you're forced to, to learn things and to, you know, it's not about just driving and tell the engineer, okay, the car is understeer here, is oversteer there. You really have to focus on different things like the hybrids, like what, what is doing the hybrid, where we can improve and stuff like that. So the driver nowadays has to do like a bigger job, let's say, than the last years. I was talking to Felipe right at the very beginning of this program and learn a new language perhaps as well. That's true. I mean, the first day I did in Jerez was really uh, difficult. I mean, coming to the LMP1, we had like, I don't know how many new systems, even for the team. And then I came there and we had so many things I had to learn. And it was like it, I had got a big booklet, like I don't know how many pages, and I had to learn it in, within one or two days. Homework? Yeah, it was, it was homework. I learned it in the night between the days, actually. And we have like I don't know how many buttons and switches on the steering, mm -hmm. and there's so much uh, so much things going on in the car, and uh, yeah, like you said, 
so many uh, sentences which I had to learn new. But it's it's a new new task, and I I really love it to to learn new things. So it's, this was uh, I was missing a little bit in GTS. It's clear that you are relishing the opportunity and the challenge. You've never stopped smiling since we started talking. <laughs> so it's clearly something that you're looking forward to. Yeah, it's so much fun to drive that car. I mean, uh, in Sebring, I was actually smiling under my helmet, and I, I miss that feeling. Even at Sebring, yeah, at Sebring, you know. Once you you get into into the car and you you know that you 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 are driving the car and not the other way around because you know the first days you go there and you think oh maybe I have to be a bit slower there or whatever, but uh, when you learn the car a bit more you are driving the car and not the other way around and then it makes so much fun and I really like to enjoy to drive that car. We wish you all the best. Be safe and enjoy. Thank you. Uh, you're listening to RadioLamont.com. We're at the. Uh, prologue, Andre Lotterer has wandered over. Martin Pass, you're doing a fantastic job corralling these uh, racing drivers. Andre, a new season right in front of us. I will ask you the same question as I ask your colleagues. Are you looking forward to it? Yes, very much. You know, uh, uh, We're racing drivers, so we want to race. We did a lot of testing. Obviously, we have a lot of new things on our car, the aerodynamics, the hybrid, the suspension, the engine efficiency, a lot of things have been improved, so it was a lot of work to, to bring everything in, in, optimum, uh, in the optimum window and that everything operates well. So it was a good test here. Uh, the promising thing was uh, our long-run pace, but nevertheless we don't know if Porsche and Toyota showed everything. What we saw is that Porsche can be very quick over one lap, but you know it's, a, it's an endurance championship, so I prefer to be fast <laughs> in the long run and uh, less impressive in one lap. So obviously, ov- hopefully it will uh, stay like this for Silverstone and we can be, can be on top. Right, nobody's listening, so it's all right, you can tell me the truth. When was the first time did you get in the car? And is there still a little bit of trepidation, a brand new car? Imagine if you get into it, it's completely rubbish. Now, why would you don't normally do that? But do you know the moment that you get into the car, oh, this is going to be good, this is going to be better for this year? Yeah, we were the first time I got in the car was in Aragon, and I immediately felt that uh, the, the potential went up a lot. So uh, yeah, it was very motivating, and we could immediately push and felt uh, in a, felt very confident about everything. Mm. So uh, you know, um, puts me in an optimistic mind. You know, we can't say we're confident because that you can only be when you prove it again and again, win after win. So uh, I go into the first race with a humble approach and uh, we'll do our best, that's for sure. We have a great team and uh, a lot of uh, um, experienced guys that that know what they do. So, uh, um, yeah, we rely on them to give us the good stuff. Wish you all the best for the year. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. I'm going to nip over and grab uh, Chris Renke. Um, I'll let uh, Andre squeeze through there. Chris, come on over. We'll finish with Dr. Ulrich. I think it's only fair that the boss has the final word. How are you? Absolutely. Very good. Thank you. And I even shaved this morning. How are you? I didn't bother. I haven't (laughs) shaved since I got back from Bathurst. It's just a laziness thing. It's nothing to do with being trendy. (laughs) Bit of a change of philosophy, is it fair to say, in terms of the aero, at least, on the car? No, the monocoque has stayed the same. I wouldn't say that's a change of mindset. For sure, we we had to find key points where to invest the budget available, um, and we decided that we stay with the same structural spine of the car. We mm. actually run the very same monocoque. Um, 
similar engine blocks, same gearbox case, so the structural spine is the same. So therefore we had more resources really to spend on the, on the things to hang on the Christmas tree. And obviously <laughs> one of the key points was the aerodynamics, as you can tell just by the yeah. look at the cars, which has been a key point. Obviously, you know, especially looking at the performance of last year, tyres uh, were a key point of development as well. Um, looking at our hybrid system, I mean, we're the only, we're the only car on the grid who... Who increased the power by 100 percent? So, so that was for sure a challenge. Uh, do that within the weight restrictions because for sure we didn't want to go overweight. Um, so there's been very quite a few key points to the car, but I wouldn't call it still a change of philosophy. The car as it runs here, we've seen it in Le Mans spec or in full season spec, or is there very little difference this year? Tell me. These are the very same cars that we'll see in Silverstone. So they are the prepared, built-up race cars, first time in the hands of the actual teams, the mechanics that will run them. Um, therefore, we also were in limited miles here. That's we didn't see us. That was the reason why we didn't see us that much out, mm-hmm. um, because there's a very race car. So saying that, that will be the aero specs that we will run in Silverstone, and therefore is more to say the high downforce configuration. Okay, so then we'll see something a little different when we get to Le Mans. Will that get a run out at Spa, or will we not see those till to Le Mans, the slightly less uh, louse drag car? Well, uh, we don't confirm anything about it yet, but expect us Sorry. that, that uh, configurations, as we have run them the years before, to have a, a spread attempt in Spa to collect as many data as possible to thoroughly prepare for Le Mans. Uh, it won't change because it was very successful in the past. One lap performance wasn't the forte of the R18 last year. Have you put any of those precious resources into a better qualifying performance or have you been concentrating on the long runs and the longer races? We have a very, very clear goal. And that is being first over the line on Sunday 3 o'clock, not on Saturday 3 o'clock yeah. anymore. So therefore, the outlip, out, outright performance on the one lap doesn't matter. For us, it's encouraging if we have good long runs, which we have seen a few here. That is what the car was designed for, but we don't have specific systems just to do that one killer lap. Even so, that gives the extra point, but it's not for us a spirit of endurance racing. The flywheel system, which is the, the part of that spine that you mentioned, the hybrid system, you've doubled its capacity in terms of the hybrid power. How easy or difficult was that? And were you surprised that you were able to get that much gain out of it? Because obviously, as with everyone with the hybrid systems, weight is not a friend. You've got to keep things down below that, uh, that weight limit. But once again, to really evaluate how much more potential is in that very system, and seeing 100% more, uh, it's, it's quite a brave target to reach, and therefore I think we really pushed this system to the edge. So it is at its limit, for sure. It is really cutting-edge technology. We didn't increase the weight by too much, I must say, uh, but uh, again, double the power. So it, it is a very fine piece of technology. How have you managed to do that? How have you managed to get that massive increase? If you want to have that massive gain, you have to attack everything. It's about, you know, it's about the magnets on the motor, it's about the cooling system, it's about the, the fibres used in the flywheel, it's about the refs the flywheel can do, it's about the bearings, it's everything. The only thing that stayed basically the same is the philosophy, the concept of it. So when you look from the outside, it's not that drastically different. But every detail has been put in question, has been fine-tuned. And the way it delivers the power? No, it's, it's slightly more, but uh, more longer yeah. than more. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I like it. All right. Chris, thanks for, thanks for talking to us. Good luck. Well, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. I'm going to finish off with uh, Dr Ulrich here. Thank you for waiting for me, Doctor. What do you think? 
of the beers. Nice, 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 nice. Not too bad. We're still working on it. What about your wife? She's fine with that, yeah. Yeah, no, she likes it. Yeah, apparently. That's the most important stuff. Of course. You know know where everything... Are you you a scuba diver? (laughs) (laughs) No, I could take it Because if you are a scuba diver, this is bad. Yes. Because when I I had this about 25 years ago, and I started to scuba dive, and then I always had the water everywhere in the mask because yes. of the thing, and then I put the beard off. And this was <laughs> new, new season, uh, new challenges. Uh, you accept new challenges at Audi. You always have done. The competition gets better. You've got better as well. Just been talking to Chris there. Hundred percent more out of the hybrid system. It's impressive. Is it enough? Okay, this we will see when we go into racing. Uh, we had uh, some targets for our development and we had some pre-calculations on what we wanted to achieve because we think that's what we need to be competitive. The good thing is that we have seen at Sebring and we have seen here that we are there in reality where we wanted to be uh, and where the pre-calculation told us. But if this is enough, we will see when we go real racing. We have learned a lot here. We have seen the potential, at least in single laps as well from the others, but we don't know, did we see all or did we see maybe something that we will not see in the same way somewhere else? So you have to be careful. We've been concentrating to use these two days uh, with other race cars on the racetrack Mm. because this is the big difference compared to pure testing. Uh, And I think we improved again and again. We are, I think, on a good way, and I hope that we will make it to be as competitive as we think that we want to be. These are the cars you'll race at Silverstone. That race is not far away now. Are you happy that you are where you need to be two weeks before the race? Yeah, I think we we, we know about where we have to be until Silverstone, but to see if it is enough to where we will want to be at the end of the race <laughs> with the competition we have seen here. This we will not know before Silverstone. Yeah, maybe even at Silverstone you will not see everything. Uh, maybe the Le Mans versions of some of the cars look different yeah. or have different uh, performance than what we see now. It's a part of the game in WEC and we know we have to face that. You're asking your drivers and your engineers to become familiar with more systems, more complicated systems, to be able to communicate on a very different level from even three, four years ago now. How are the guys adapting to all of this new technology? I think we had a very, very steep learning curve, uh, but we did it all together, and so we've been growing into the systems together. I think uh, if we look back three years and would look into a test session, Mm. uh, we would be surprised uh, what happened then. (laughs) Uh, But today, it's the business we are used to, and we know in three months it will be even more sophisticated, uh, but that makes it interesting, and that's a challenge, and that fits very well with Audi because we always push for top technology, and that's the way to go. You've done an awful lot of work in quite a short period of time since the end of last season. Or did that work start a bit earlier? No, I have to say we started uh, much earlier than that because uh, it was clear that uh, uh, 
we had to improve and as well it was clear that we will not be able to make a completely new car for 2015. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of uh, ideas being invested in this existing car and uh, when we have seen that we can't do a move bigger than another two megajoules for 2015, it was clear that we need to find some more performance in other areas and we started in the middle of last year already two special programs that now bring their fruits and uh, I hope that it is really at the end that we see that we have done the right choices. And that was aero and... It was basically the additional aero program we did mm -hmm. and what we did from the point of car setup and suspension to use the maximum out of the aero system. Yes. But it's a very different look to the car, almost like a completely different iteration. Yeah, I mean, the idea, the uh, concept for this aero is not an ongoing development on what we had last year. That's a new big step. Mm -hmm. It was a decision to go a different way. Mm -hmm. It looks good. I think we get the fruits out of that. Was, was that dangerous? Because if it had gone wrong, you would have spent a lot of time going down down a, a blind alley, as we say, in the UK. I think if we would not have decided to make an additional, in, more intense aero activity, just the standard development with what we do from one year to the next, even if we want to do a little bit more, we would maybe have followed last year's route, mm -hmm. but uh, making clear that we need to do a much bigger step than you normally do, we knew we have to try to do a different way and I think our aero guys uh, took an interesting route, <laughs> and what we see now, the result is good. Learning I hope it. it will be as good in Le Mans as we need it. Away from the R18, a couple of uh, more general questions, if I may. A new home for Audi Sport now at, at Neuburg. Oh, it's great. It's good for everybody. Everybody's happy. We have improved that much that uh, really uh, you can see the smile of the guys that come for work there. On the other hand, it takes not too much time and you get used to what you have. <laughs> uh, but the thing is we have a much, much better base and uh, it's now on us to use it to push for even more performance. As far as the World Endurance Championship is concerned, what can you tell us about the long-term plans of Audi? Is endurance racing and LMP racing still a priority for Audi and Audi Sport? I mean, for me, there is at the moment no question on that. Uh, we're working on the 2016 car. So, uh, and if, you, we, if we wouldn't do it in such a high-level championship, you would not have a chance to be competitive. Endurance racing with a rulebook that is that much future-orientated and that much technologically advanced for what we need in road cars in the coming future uh, is still a great route for Audi. It fits to what we have done until now. And as long as with the concepts we are choosing, we have a chance to be competitive, I think it makes, makes sense because we improve year to year the efficiency of the cars that much. If somebody would have told us 10 years ago, we would have said impossible. Mm -hmm. But it's possible. And uh, there is still quite a way we can go, I think. Vorsprung durch Technik is just the right thing and we try to live this since we started. 
and every day. Dr Ulrich, thank you very much indeed for staying back and speaking to us. And that concludes our Meet the Team for Audi for 2015 here at the WEC Prologue at uh, Paul Ricard. Don't forget you can follow the WEC for the whole season live on RadioLamont.com starting with our expanded coverage of Silverstone and then running all the way through the year to Bahrain. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.